Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Hopefully you're doing well. For those watching online, thank you for taking the time to do this. Well, man, we, this is pretty cool because we're in week two of our series, Ben Don't Break, and it's our alignment study, and I love our alignment study for a couple of reasons. One, it allows groups to be on the same page. We're all going through the same stuff, so it allows my wife and I, who are in two different groups, to be able to talk about the things that we're learning. It's pretty neat. We're all sort of unified and aligned going into this year. Allison has done a great job putting it together, so thankful for it. The second reason is, not only does it align our groups, but allows us, as everyone's doing the same thing, it really impacts our community. Imagine living out patience and joy and peace. It changes our community, right? It changes our home and it changes the way we work, where we work, and then like on the football field, at school, Whatever the case may be, no matter where we find ourselves, we are making a big difference in our community. So hopefully this encourages you today as we look at Ben Don't Break When Betrayal Happens. Now, what do the, file, what do the following names have in common? You have Severus, Snape, you have Olfredo, Lando, Carizian, and then Cypher. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are people who betrayed the main character of their respective movie. And this week in our series, we're going to see how Joseph and Judah's daughter-in-law, Tamar, handled betrayal. We're also going to see that Jacob, Reuben, who is the oldest of Jacob's sons, and Judah, who's the third oldest, they all dealt with betrayal, but they also betrayed people. Whether it's four days ago or 4,000 years ago, there. Betrayal has been a human problem since sin entered the world. So the question that I want us to ask ourselves is this. And the thing I want us to think about is how do we handle betrayal? Now think about this. How we respond to betrayal can reveal what we believe about God. How we respond to betrayal can reveal what we believe about God. Now assuming everyone has been betrayed in the room, those watching online... If it hasn't happened to you, it will happen to you. I promise. Everyone experiences betrayal. Now, a betrayal can look differently with different various degrees of how it affects you. There are times when betrayal happens, but you are not a direct result, but you are affected by the results. So say if your boss or your CEO uh, finds himself in a suspect, suspect behavior and they get fired, what happens? Yeah there, yeah, there is a negative impression of that company, and you're going to face that. Maybe for you, you're ashamed that you work for that company because of what had happened. Okay. Someone you voted for doesn't deliver on campaign promises. Have you been betrayed directly? No, but you, you feel the effects of it indirectly. Someone lied to your child and broke their heart. Were you betrayed? No, but you feel the effects of that betrayal. Okay, here's another layer or another degree of betrayal. There are times where you were betrayed by someone you really didn't know. Whether there was a salesman who tried to sell you that car or sell you that timeshare or sell you that home warranty, they lied to you. Or maybe there was someone who keeps putting themselves in front of you. Maybe someone cut you off on the road on 95, which is a typical normal thing. They cut you off. You don't know them. Right? They don't know you, but yet you were betrayed. 
Now here is the deep part of betrayal. This is sort of like the highest degree of betrayal. Times where you were betrayed by someone you love and you trusted. It's that cheating, that infidelity. Your child sneaking around and lying about it. Someone who uses your past against you. How about this one? Someone kept a secret from you. You're in a relationship with them, whether they're a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, or maybe a friend. And you had no idea they kept the secret from you. And if you would have known that secret, you would not have been their friend. You would not have married them. You would not have got engaged with them. You would not have been in a relationship with them. And the reason why they kept it from you is because they probably knew that it wasn't going to last. And it ends up hurting you years, months, days later. Here's the truth. The more deep the relationship, the more deep the wound. The more deep the relationship, the more deep the wound. And the range can go from disappointed to post-traumatic stress. And the more deep the relationship, the more deep the wound. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today. You have two important people that are a part of Jesus' line, part of his lineage. And they've been betrayed. And we're going to see how they handled the betrayal. And really, we're going to see in the weeks to come how God protected them, God defended them, God made it right for them. So last week we started our series, we learned about the story, how it actually started two generations before where we're going to pick up. So God makes a promise to Abraham, and this is how it goes. Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now he didn't give Abraham coordinates. He didn't tell him where to go on a map. It was like, I just want you to pick up your stuff and start walking, start traveling, and then I'll tell you when to stop. That takes some faith, right? Now here's another promise he made. He says, I will make you into a great nation. This promise all goes together. I'll make you into a great nation. What does a nation need? It needs land. Gets the land, then he's going to build them in a great nation. So when would he start becoming a great nation once he got to the land? Now what did that mean to him? It meant that he and his wife could never have, they couldn't have kids. Now God's promising you will have a child. And that child is going to grow into a great nation. He says, I will, I will bless you. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. He promises, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, I want you to know something. You are a nobody. I'm making you know somebody that one day some people all around the world would trust in Jesus because the line was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. Jesus is a seed yep, is from Abraham. So Moses is telling this story and eventually we find out that Abraham and Sarah have a son named Isaac after years and years of trying and they, find, they, they get Isaac when they get to the land. Now Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Now this is where it starts getting good. Jacob is a trickster. Jacob betrayed, deceived his brother into giving him the inheritance. Betrayal happens typically for three reasons. Unhealthy ambition, lust, 
and greed. One example was that J- Joseph, I mean, not only did Jacob trick his brother, we're going to see those ambitions, we're going to see greed, we're going to see lust play out in this story. So it seems that betrayal is a legacy that Jacob is passing down intentionally or unintentionally to his kids. So here's how the story continues. Soon after this, after the second dream that Joseph interpreted that he would one day roll his brothers, his brothers went to a pasture, their father's flocks at Shechem, which is about 40 miles north of where they live, about four to five days' journey. When they had gone for some time, so something was up with that, and Jacob knew that something wasn't right. Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem, where they should be. Get ready, I will send you to them. Something's off. They're gone a little bit longer than they should be. He said, I'm ready to go. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way. Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. Now this is where it starts getting good. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. He said, what are you looking for? And Joe said, well, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Like, they should be here. Dad said that they should be here. He's like, man, they're not here. They moved on from here a day travel north to Dothan. So he followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. No matter how you observe this, there was deception. It's like the legacy of betrayal continues through Jacob's sons. Now, how does Jacob not know where they would be when it's his business? I mean, that would be like John Dutt not knowing where his kids are and what they're doing with the family business. Joseph is wandering around trying to find them in Shechem, and they're actually a day's journey away north in Dothan. So it would be like leaving Stafford, going to D.C., that's where they should be, and they're going another day or another 10 miles into Maryland. So, really the question we should be asking is, why would the brothers not tell dad that they were moving the flock a day away? We're going to find out why. When the brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. How did they recognize him? Remember last week we talked about how his dad gave him the coat of many colors, right? The technicolor coat. Right? They knew, they knew him. They, they saw it coming up from a mile away because they knew what the coat looked like. And as they approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. So what are they still thinking about? They're still thinking about the dreams. Come on, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns. We could tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. It's very likely They allowed the jealousy to lead the thoughts and comments of eliminating him any way they could because they did not want Joseph to roll over them. They did not want Joseph to get the blessing. They didn't want Joseph to get the birthright. They didn't want Joseph to get the inheritance. They were going to do everything they could to stop him. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, remember Reuben was the oldest, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? 
guys, this is, this is kind of messed up. Let's just throw him into this en- empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without laying a hand on him. Reuben. Now, I want to know how Moses knew this detail because this is very fascinating. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. See, Reuben's thinking, man, man, I'm the oldest. If I can somehow get the birthright by being the hero of the story, I'm going to make it happen. Because he believed as the oldest, he deserved the inheritance. He deserved the blessing. He deserved the birthright. And so when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. See, did you notice that? They went for the thing that triggered their jealousy, the robe. They went for the thing that triggered their jealousy. Don't, don't we do that too? Right? When, when someone makes us jealous, what do we do? Yet we attack them, or if that's something that they have, what do we do? We go and go get the thing, or we go purchase, we go buy, we do everything we can to get the thing that they have, so we feel like them. We feel accepted. We feel like we're not, we don't have to be jealous anymore. It's interesting that the thing that they went for triggered their jealousy was the robe. And they threw Joseph in this empty cistern. Joseph is obviously bruised and beaten. They expected him to die there and used the robe to prove that something happened. I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but this is recorded in, this is what Moses said happened. They just were sitting down to eat. As they were just sitting down to eat. Like, how in the world do you do that to your own flesh and blood and they go to six bears and they go, like, how does that even happen, right? Well, I mean, oh my goodness. And they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Galilee down to Egypt. Change of events. Human traffickers were coming through, removing, distancing Joseph even further than Jacob began to become the plan. So Judah said to his brothers, somehow Reuben's not there. He leaves. He goes, does something. So Judah steps up. He's like, all right, let me see an opening. Let me take it. What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. So instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Right, that sounds real heroic, right? All right, guys, let's not, let's not do this. Let's just sell him. So those brothers agreed. And so when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Judah, what he does is he decides to continue the legacy of betrayal by making himself thoughtful and sympathetic, but yet he's incredibly selfish. It was all about Judah. Reuben wouldn't have gone for this. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. And when he discovered that he was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? He's been betrayed by Judah. And the brothers killed a young goat, dipped Joseph's blood in it, Joseph's robe in the blood, and then they sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message, look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? 
Y'all, they didn't even have the guts to go to their dad with this. They sent someone with the message. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph was clearly been torn to pieces. And then Jacob, he tore his clothes, dressed himself in burlap to mourn, to grieve. He was in a state of depression. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. He said, I will go to my grave mourning for my son. He would say, and then he would weep. See, the brothers did not account for Jacob's response. They didn't realize that Jacob would have this long-term grief and depression of losing Joseph. Jacob, he was betrayed and he didn't even know it. And this ends up being a family secret for over 13 years. Now, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. Imagine Joseph processing this betrayal. One day everything is going well, maybe even according to his plan. And one day he's being sold, he's being trafficked by his brothers in the largest nation in the world at the time without the protection of his dad. Now I want us to think about this for a second. He's bruised, he's beaten, he's hungry. When we are physically weak, what, what begins to happen with our mind? What begins to happen with our emotions? Oh yeah, we become really weak. We become very vulnerable. Right? We're suspect to doubt. We're suspect to depression. We're suspect to, all right, God, I'm, I'm losing hope here. So let's call a timeout on this part of the story. And this is what Moses is. He calls, it, he calls a timeout. And he goes back to Judah. He fast forwards through Judah. And he's continuing the legacy of betrayal and deception. So Judah realizes that he's, he's not going to be able to comfort his dad. I mean, the odds of him getting the blessing and the birth right now is like the commanders winning the Super Bowl. The odds, the odds are long. Sorry, I didn't mean that. So he settles in a new town, meets a woman, marries the woman, and he has three sons with her. Notice what happens next. In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. We don't know what he did, but he was wicked, and God killed him. Then Judah said to Ur's brother Onan, Go and marry Tamar as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. So back then they had arranged marriages. It was the normal it was the norm back then. The law that Judah's referring to was called the Leverite marriage, which protected the women. It would protect the widow with a male protector, a male provider, and it continued the family line, which allowed for an inheritance safety and security for the woman and the family. But Onan wasn't having it. He was not willing to have a child who would not be his own heir. So whenever he had intercourse with his brother's wife, he spilled the semen on the ground. And some of you are, are maybe wondering, like I was, like this is in the Bible? Yes, this is in the Bible. And, and that may encourage us to read it more. 
But the Lord considered it evil for Onan to deny a child to his dead brother. So the Lord took Onan's life too. Tamar, she's widowed twice, no child to continue Judah's line. Then Judah said to Tamar, notice his, notice his language. Go back to your parents' home and remain a widow until my son Selah is old enough to marry you. But Judah didn't really intend to do this because he was afraid Shelah would also die like his two brothers. So Tamar went back to live in her father's home. See, Judah finds himself another opportunity to do the right thing, to be honorable, but yet he fades back into betrayal and deception. Just like before, what, what does he do? He makes himself sound thoughtful and sympathetic toward, um, toward Tamar by having her go back home to her parents for their safety and security. But he's doing it for himself. He's afraid that his son is going to be like the other two sons and he is going to have no kids left. He's afraid. And what does fear do? Fear makes us do some really selfish things really controlled things, right? We want to try to control things. Why? Because we're afraid. And that's where we're going to pick it up there next week. You guys, remember I said before, the more deep the relationship, the more deep the wound. Right? The range can be from disappointment to post-traumatic stress. Two takeaways, guys. Two takeaways. One is this. The only people who can betray you are those you trust. The only one who can betray you are those you trust. It doesn't mean that we don't trust. We are hardwired for relationships, you and I. We are hardwired for love. We are hardwired for trust. We are hardwired for those things. And the reason why is you and I were created in God's image. And God, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They're connected together in relationship. They're in community with one another. They have connection with one another. They have relationship with one another. And that is how we are wired. That is how we are built. That's how we are created. We are created for that. Now here's the tension. The tension is, is because we live in a broken world, we live in a fallen world where people are willing to do selfish things, what happens? Yeah, we can be betrayed. And that's the tension we live in. We're wired for this, but yet we have a fear of getting into it. That it means that it is inevitable that someone may betray you at some point in this life. But we need to accept that betrayal is a risk. It is a risk that we need to consider. We need to take the risk. Guys, we undertake risk every day. We get on a plane. We hop in the train. We get in our car. We send our kids to school. We have surgery. We play sports. And sometimes we don't think about that it's a risk. But those things are risk, just like jumping into a relationship where we may be betrayed. Another takeaway from this story is that fighting with fire gets both burned and is best left to God. Guys, revenge, what it does is it takes the energy needed to rebuild that relationship and it wastes that energy on trying to get even. Right? We want fairness. Guys, life's not fair. We all know that. We tell our kids that. Life's not fair. And we're going to see in the coming weeks that God defended Tamar. He defended Joseph. 
So how we respond to betrayal can reveal about what we believe about God. Notice what Jesus' followers wrote about seeking revenge. Paul writes this, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Paul also writes this, See that no one pays evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. And then Peter writes this, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Man, this is a hard one. He said, instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. The hardest thing for you and I to do is to give it over to God because that means we give up control. When we give it over to God, it means we give up control. And I'll be the first one to admit that sometimes I don't like how God handles things. And so what do I do? What do we do? We hold it. No, I got this. Someone insults us, what do we do? <laughs> oh, man. We, we, we got we to, gotta, oh, we are ready to go. And here's what happens. When we go down that road, trying to get even, we miss out on God's blessing. Because we're going to find in the weeks to come that God has a plan. And sometimes unfairness in life plays into that plan. And God comes through and he protects his kids. He protects you. He defends you. He comes through for you in a way that you least expect it. See, there's three things he wants us to do. One, continue building relationships. He doesn't want us to be afraid to build into relationships with trust. We were created for interdependence, not isolation and independence. Two, we need to trust his plans when things are messed up, when things are messy, when maybe a situation was created by someone else for us and we're put in this situation, we're put in this circumstance, and God says, I want you to trust my plan. I want you to trust me. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit as our comforter. Our comforter who allows us to have the mind of Christ, which means that we are to give a blessing to those who have insulted us. Those who have betrayed us, we don't retaliate and try to get even, and instead we give a blessing. We give it back to God and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm relinquishing control and giving it to you, and you deal with it. This is difficult, but this is what we're called to do. And this is the thing about the Christian life, in case you're new to this. The Christian life was not meant to be easy. It was meant to be fulfilling. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, with the weight of what we talked about today, I know for me, I'm going back in the Rolex of my mind of the people who've hurt me. I have the Rolodex of those names and the faces of those who hurt me, and I just ask that you will help me to do everything that I can to give it over to you. Things that happened weeks ago, things that happened years ago, God, remind me that you're dealing with the situation that you're providing us a blessing. You will provide us a blessing. 
for those who are new to faith, they're figuring out this Christian thing, I just ask that they would have the, the courage to realize that, man, they are messed up, they have been betrayed, and they can trust you who would never betray them. So may they put their faith and their hope and their trust in you. Father, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, may we not give in to our flesh and give in to the temptation of getting even. May we provide a blessing. May we give up control and let you handle it. Lord, it's not easy, but it's fulfilling. Remind us of that in Jesus' name. Amen.